Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're going to be talking about Return of Condor Heroes 2006, the Chinese drama series. We're going to be covering episodes 6 through 8 today. Um, so before we get into our broad overview, Adam, did you have any general thoughts or impressions on these three episodes? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we have a very dark turn here that comes along and kind of disrupts the flow of the story but at the same time it uh it takes in a lot a lot of new directions we've kind of got a split narrative going on with the main characters having parted uh no i i it's i'm very involved in the series at this point and yeah so it this definitely is where it gets dark and full warning there's like going to be talk about rape and stuff in the upcoming uh discussion because that's a big plot point here and so um uh, this episode opens up with Xiao Long Nu and Yang Guo training in the Nine Yin manual style, and they had this ongoing agreement where they would leave the mountain when they mastered it. And Yang Guo seems to feel that they've mastered it and they can leave the mountain, and she doesn't quite agree. And this is this is becoming uh, an obvious sort of point of conflict between them, where she kind of wants to just stay with him on the mountain, and he clearly. I mean, he's willing to compromise with her, but you can tell he clearly has a desire to go out into the world. Um, and, yeah. you know, I think it's also amusing that she, she, she accuses him of liking crowds because uh, they've, only, <laughs> they've been living in the ancient tomb where there's, like, no crowds at all. And, and any time there's been crowds, it's been a bunch of Taoists that he can't stand. So, <laughs> so I'm wondering what, what a crowd is in Zhang, Zhang, uh, Zhao Longnu's mind you know it's um, um, but yeah the only only way I can justify it is if he's been telling her stories about the outside world mm. and maybe she kind of took that from his stories but uh, there is the irony they're kind of setting up here that you know Zhao Longnu is uh, is you know she's the one that doesn't want to leave but ultimately as we'll see in these episodes she's the one that takes off so <laughs> well and also they do establish later on that she does not understand currency and how markets work so yeah uh and i know that they're pretty self-sufficient at the ancient tomb but they must have to occasionally do supply runs to you know a nearby town or or something like this so uh, so presumably he must be the one going out of ancient tomb and gathering, you know, materials from, you know, uh, you know, and, and possibly bartering or trading with people when he needs to. So, so maybe yeah, that's that, where that her is, I... this was the episode where I actually started wondering during the earlier episodes, it just did, there was, you know, the story just kind of had me wrapped up and I wasn't thinking about the logistics of what do they eat? Mm -hmm. Where do they, you know, what's, you know, how do they survive in this living in this tomb? But, uh, it, it kind of hit me this week where, how, how do they go about that? Yeah, I, I'm guessing that that maybe the um, that that Granny Sun must have done a lot of the the outside yeah. training before, and now that became Yango's uh, responsibility. And there, in yeah. the book, at least, there were some moments of him venturing out a little bit beyond the tomb, but it was never anything too extravagant, I think. Uh, but the but yeah, the I big the same conclusion. The the big plot point here is Uyung Fung returns. He's been looking for Yango for for a while. And he heard that he was at uh, Chongyang Palace and couldn't find him there. And so he, he appears to Zhao Longnu and Yang Guo in the night. And he wants to teach Yang Guo his toad-style kung fu. And, uh, he, but he's, he doesn't want Zhao Longnu to hear him. And he seems 
pretty annoyed that she's even there. He doesn't really seem yeah. to like her. And so he, he paralyzes her under a, a tree. And uh, 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 what's his name? Zhenji Bing, the, um, the, the Taoist from Tuan Zen sect, has been sort of lurking in the trees, observing Zhao Longnu. And he uses this opportunity to, to have sex with her, to rape her. And he tricks her into thinking that he's Yangua, basically. He covers her face with something. And then, uh, and so by the end of it, she, she thinks that, that, she's, uh, that, that she and Yangua have had sex together. And it creates a big misunderstanding between them. Uh, and, the, and the Taoist kind of, you know, you know c- crawls away from the scene. And his, uh, the, other, uh, the other Taoist from Tuanzhen, uh, Zhao Zhijing, uh, was also sort of observing things and is now using this information to his advantage. And Yang Guo, uh, while Zhao Longnu was, uh, was paralyzed, uh, spent some time training with Uyung Fung. And then he explained, because he's been learning the Nine Yin Manual properly, he explains to, uh, <laughs> to Uyung Fung that he learned it wrong basically and this causes great confusion he's not sure is it up is it down like which you know because because the whole the whole thing that happened in the previous book was Huang Rong deliberately taught Uyung Fung Nine Yin Manual incorrectly and it drove him crazy and the thing that I like about how they use Uyung Fung in this story and and particularly in this moment is that we get to see sort of the long-term consequences of that like little clever thing that she did that at the time was like yeah that's like you know like that's like a really great tactic and you really wanted to stick it to Uyung Fung but now the writer is sort of forcing you to deal with the out the the fallout of of the plan and and you can sort of see it's like really broken Uyung Fung's mind and he's deeply confused about who he is and he and his and, and and like all of his his meridians are just all messed up because of the 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 uh, the the deception that Huang Rong uh, played upon him, which at the time was a necessity. But it's just that you know you're just kind of now sort of seeing this. But the um, but the the end result of all this is that there's confusion between Zhao Longnu and Yang Guo, and they go their separate ways. She 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 she. she 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 basically doesn't understand why he's still calling her Gugu. She she thinks that they're now husband and wife essentially, and he's deeply confused by her her tenderness with him. You know, she's she, her, her whole demeanor has changed, and her virginity yeah. got dot is gone, and he doesn't really understand what that means. And and so she she basically you know gets upset and leaves, and and then Yango is left on his own, and he goes off to find her. And he ends up at a at an inn where he uh, uh, where he 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 heard that there's a woman attacking Chuan Zhen Taoist, so he assumes it's Xiao Longnu, <laughs> and <laughs> and, and it, it ends up being somebody else, which we'll get to. But we should probably stop there and kind of talk about what's happened a bit, I suppose, because I mean this is obviously very dark. The first time I saw this, I was I was almost ready to stop watching because I was like, I don't know if I want to watch a movie or show where this is like. Um, you know, like the big thing that starts happening in it. Um, and I, I, I think that in the end it was worth sticking with it because it's a, it's a great story, but it's definitely, it's not something that you're expecting to happen unless somebody warns you about it in advance and yeah, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It, it's, it's handled very well. I think, I mean, it, it's very, you know, I mean, you know, the, the typical romance story cliche of two characters have some lo- misunderstanding that splits them up is a really common, tiresome trope. But, you know, 
I felt like in this one it it had enough weight to it that it uh you know it it actually kind of worked and uh I mean I, I uh, it, it, it is it is a pretty upsetting scene on the whole, and uh, and Genji Bing is just he you know he he's been an interesting character because it's like his you know he hasn't been you know you you have the other other monk there who's more openly a jerk, and so he almost seems like more of the good guy kind of monk in the earlier episodes. Then yeah. just boom, just in this episode, he goes to being like the character you really despise yeah. the most because it's. I mean, you know, it's what he did was terrible on so many levels. I mean, he rapes Zhao Longnu, and on top of it, that destroys her relationship with Yang Gao, and it's just, it's just this horrible, horrible thing. And I don't think you mentioned that Yang Gao runs into him as as he's yeah. slinking off back towards the monastery. And that's and, actually uh, a really important scene, too, because he, he catches him and he can tell that he's been up to no good because he's like disheveled and he's like, you know, you've been doing something yeah. shameful. I know it. But Yangor's in a good mood because he's just been training with a young Fung. And so he's like, OK, I'm going to be magnanimous and I'll let you go. So off you go. And it's sort of a monumental decision because he was like, I mean, they kind of gloss over it. Like it doesn't seem all that weighty when he says it, but he's fully prepared to kill this guy in that moment just for being there. Like he, he, you know, yeah. he, he does not like these Taoists at all. And, and he could have in that, in that he could have, he could have sort of, this become obviously, you know, this is going to become a, 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 a bigger part of the story later on when the truth comes to light. And he could have sort of settled that there. Uh, but instead, it sort of becomes it festers longer as a result of uh, of you know him not making a decision there. And, yeah, and I mean, Gen, like I said, Genji Bing too. He seems like the fairly innocuous one of the monks. He's like yeah. the least the least hateable of the monks as far as bad guys go. So him he makes his, oh, it's just you, you go, whatever, yeah. man. I'm in a good mood. Well, just just go. <laughs> but you know what the thing is to keep in mind about him? He's been hanging out with like the. Like the the you know uh, the the worst of the worst you know so I know um, it's I know. Uh, you know and and, and uh, uh, Zhao Zijing is 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 like he's never really done anything to intervene in in Zhao Zijing's uh, you know bad activities <laughs> so so yeah I I, th I think he's just uh, and, and in the book he does have I mean I don't want to spoil exactly where this goes but I think. He's he's slightly more sympathetic than uh, uh, than Zhao Zijing, but not by yeah. much. Not by much. Not by much. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, he's 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 sympathetic because he's not as big of a jerk. It's not yeah. it's not what he does. It's not like he's done wonderful well, things. He just it's just up to up up until this point he hadn't done anything terrible, and so you're like yeah whatever. And and if you stopped their stories right now. You know, in the grand measure of things, uh, Zhenji Bing would be worse. But things that come down the road with with Xiao Zijing, he uh -huh. just he just he just stacks on more and more. <laughs> it's all down once, once he's he's yeah. gone down this path. He keeps going, huh? Um, yeah, yeah. That's uh. So yeah, but, this is. Oh, oh go ahead. I'm go sorry. On, sorry. No, no, you don't go. Yeah. And I, one thing to mention, too, that I don't think, I mean, for anyone that's listening that isn't actually watching the show, is that Yang Gao doesn't know that uh, Zhao Longnu was paralyzed or anything. It's like, you know, his his godfather goes off and is, says, oh, I'm just going to make sure she isn't spying on us. Then he goes off as the paralysis thing and that. 
that he's he's oblivious to that completely, which yeah. I which adds a lot to things, you know, because uh, you know when he when he when he runs into Zhenji Bing, he I think he even mentions something about his goo goo. It's like, oh, you're lucky you didn't run into her or something like that. And it's just it's like when you when you know what's going on, it's like, oh god. Well, and I think yeah. I think uh, Zhenji Bing is 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 he thinks that maybe Yang Guo knows, like maybe Zhao Longnu told him, you know, because he doesn't know how. Uh, how 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 well he fooled her in that moment and mm. and so uh but the but again it's 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 an important it's obviously an important plot point and it becomes much more important as the story goes on um but also it's it's i think it's handled very differently than than you see in a lot of in a, in a lot of these kind of shows and movies when something like that does come up and and so it, it's uh you know it 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 it's important, but it doesn't. It doesn't doesn't become the focus of the story, um, which is yeah. what I thought was going to happen. Um, well, and, it's it's a complicated thing too because it's like you know a character is raped, but she doesn't know she was raped. She thinks something else happened, so it's a very it's it's a very confusing aftermath because the character none of, you know the only character that knows what happens is Genji Bing. Other than that, everyone else just doesn't quite understand what's going on and uh and and we'll get well when the when the thread gets picked up again later we'll we can get back into it again i suppose because it does it does you know eventually i mean i'm, I'm going to spoil it but she uh you know she does learn what happened and then that becomes uh yeah uh, i figure I, I figured that was inevitable at some point in the story yeah it would be really weird if she never did it would be a very odd <laughs> and it would just be this hanging thing but it's it's uh it, it is something that that she becomes aware of and it's it's dealt with in an interesting way, um, but once Yango is sort of on the road looking for her, he he learns about this woman, uh, and he thinks maybe it's Xiao Longnu. It turns out it's Lu Shuang, who's the uh, the the daughter of Li Mocho's former lover um, from the very beginning of the show. I don't know if I don't know how fresh that is in your memory at this point. If that if that clicks, it's a right. pretty memorable scene for me at least. I uh, yeah, I mean that opening is. Yeah. Uh, very, very dramatic. So she's the daughter of Lu Zhanyuan, and um, and uh, if 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 we remember from the uh, you know the end, I think of the last episode or the episode before that, Li Mocho had returned home and found that her disciple was missing and had taken uh, her five poison manual with her, and she was concerned about that because she doesn't want the remedy for her poisons getting out in the martial world. It would basically make her ineffective. And and so that's why uh, you know Lu Shuang is on the run. She's Li Mocho's disciple, and and so uh, she's you know she's having this run-in with I think it's a group of Taoists and beggars um, who are attacking her because they they are trying to Li Mocho did something to them, and so now they're they're sort of taking it out on her, and the you know she ends up getting her her ribs bruised and. Her and Yangua, because he has to set her ribs, have a quasi-intimate moment. Like for this setting, this is considered, you know, very, uh, uh, it, you know, it, it's a very delicate situation because he has to he has to set her ribs, but he has to do it while not like you know looking at her, or, and so it becomes this big thing, and um, and you know the next episode, he and Lu Shuang end up pretty much spending most of the time running away from Li Mocho, uh, and. And in order to help them evade her, 
they join up with a guy named Yelu uh, Chu Chai, who's a historical figure, by the way. He's a, a, a Mongolian statesman. And, uh, and, and they end up in his encampment with his son. And, uh, and then uh, a woman named Wan Yan, Wan, uh, sorry, Wan Yan Ping, who's, uh, who is a Jin, whose parents were killed uh, because of Yelu Chu Chai's uh, 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 history and, and the things that he's done, uh, she bursts in trying to get revenge, and that and the whole episode ends on a cliffhanger. And there's also this uh, uh, moment of of a duel between Zhao Long Nu and Li Mocho, and uh, on umbrellas, which was pretty cool. I don't know if you remember that yeah. scene. Um, yeah, well, yeah, that's very memorable. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, you know, now we're getting into episode eight, and uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Wan Yan Ping. Uh, is is trying to assassinate uh, Yellow Chu Chai for the third time. This is like her third attempt to assassinate her. And 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 the thing that's important to keep in mind here is Wan Yan Ping. She's a Jin, and she has I think the same surname as the guy who raised Yang Kong. So I think she's from the same royal family or the same you know group of people that uh, Yang Guo's father was raised by. And yeah, uh, Yellow Chu Chai sort of gives a big speech on how, well, okay, I know that you want to kill me because I'm responsible for the death of your parents and the destruction of your, of your people's uh, uh, territory. But, you know, do you know who killed my ancestors? It was the Jin. And, you're, and, and he goes on this speech about sort of the cycle of grudges that are, uh, um, you know, uh, that everybody's sort of just tethered to. And, uh, uh, and I think they sort of deal very, I don't know, uh, they're very generous with her. Uh, you know, she bursts in, yeah. tries to assassinate him, and they don't really, they don't try to kill him, and they don't try to kill her. And his son, uh, Yellow Chi, who's somebody you want to keep an eye on for the rest of the show, he becomes an important character. He even seems to admire Wan Yang Ping. And uh, Yang Guo ends up teaching Wan Yang Ping uh, how to, how to, a way to kill him, uh, bec- a way to kill Yellow Chi, because when when she burst in and tried to attack and yellow chi tried to defend uh uh yellow chu chai she uh uh, uh yellow chi uh tried to stop her from committing suicide when she failed and so yangor realizes that he she can use that as a tactic against him uh and when he tries to stop her she can kill him and and this upsets uh lu shuang who feels like she and Yango aren't getting the revenge that they sh- they want to get for their uh, for for their families? So why should Wan Yang Ping? And I think there's a little bit of jealousy also underlying a lot of it. And so she 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 basically warns Yelu Chi what Wan Yang Ping is trying to do, and he does it anyways. Uh, but then in the end, she can't commit to the uh, to the to, to killing him, and so she she runs out. And there's a bunch of confusion that happens in the wake of this. And uh, Lee Mocho ends up uh, abducting Lu Wu Shuang, and we get this enormous extended confrontation between Lee Mocho, Lu Wu Shuang, uh, all you know, Yangor and Yelu Chi, as well as uh, uh, Guo Fu, the daughter of Huang Rong, and the Wu brothers, who sort of arrive as this battle is unfolding in the wilderness. And the episode ends with Yangor just sort of leaving the scene on his own and going up into the mountains where he uh where he uh encounters Hong Chi Gong and Uyung Fung who end up having a big 3-day battle 
uh, in the snow-capped peaks. And I know I covered over a, a lot of material there, so we're going to go back and examine it individually. But uh, was there anything in the course of these episodes in particular that struck you uh, past, you know, this is mainly episodes seven and eight that we're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot. But uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting having uh, Yang Guao out with Lu Sheng. They have a interesting connection there. You have the whole thing of them posing in husband and wife, which I can see creating complications later. But, uh, um yeah, the whole uh, the whole Mongolian uh, connection too. It's like I, I don't know. It's 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 very abrupt when they uh, join up with those characters in the show. It's uh, you know they they kind of suddenly show up and it's like, hey, we want to we want to serve you, and they you know they it it's that that kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't really follow the decision process that led to that. But. It was a little bit abrupt in the book, as I recall, too. So I, I think it just sort of went, I think they were just looking for a place to duck into. To, Lee Mocho is a pretty formidable opponent, and they spend so much of the episode trying to evade her. They end up hiding in that wedding party. I love yeah. the scene where Yangor is bullying the the bridegroom, and he's like, "I want to be a bridegroom," and he's just pushing the guy to the side. <laughs> and, and you know, there's a lot of great moments over the over the course of these these uh, these scenes. But I think I think they just really needed to sort of find somebody that they could uh, they could tie themselves to who might be able to give them some protection against Lee Mocho. Um, and and so you know, and then it ends up obviously taking things in a in an, an even more wild direction, I suppose. Um, but also the, I don't know, the whole scene where Wan Yang Ping, who, who again is a character that kind of comes out of nowhere. She literally bursts through the door. You have no idea, you, you know, the, the viewer has no notion of who she is when, when she appears. And yeah, we, have, we haven't even really gotten a chance to know Yellow Chu Chai or Yellow, Yellow Chi at all yet. It's like all of a sudden there's this new character first again to kill them. So it was, it did, it was, it was interesting, but it was, it was very abrupt. Yeah, this section of the story, we're getting a lot of character introductions. So in episode eight, I mean, I mean, technically they appeared in ep the end of episode seven, but I think it's episode eight where um, where these things really kind of start to, you know, where they really sort of deal with this these characters. So you get Yellow Chi, Yellow Yan, Wan Yang Ping, Yellow Chu Chai, the Wu brothers, Guo Fu, and Hong Chi Gong. Um, now, granted, Hong Chi Gong, they're reintroducing. If um, if this if this version of the show was more uh, uh, true to the book, Gua Fu and the Wu brothers would also be familiar at this point. But okay. they're, but they're but they're not. They they deal with it in a line of dialogue. So while they're all dueling Li Mocho, uh, a woman and two men arrive, and this is uh, uh, and they're preceded by the two condors that are associated with the Gua couple. And uh, Gua Fu is the daughter of Gua Jing and Huang Rong. And so, yeah. and so Yango has a flashback to Peach Blossom Island where he's being beaten up by the Wu brothers and Gua Fu is urging them on. But in the book, that's, that's like a whole, there's a whole section of the book where he's at Peach Blossom Island in there and you sort of, and, and, and I really have to emphasize in that flashback, we really are just getting Yango's perspective. There's a lot more, there. <laughs> there's a lot more backstory there leading up to that beating. Um, you think Yang, Yang Guo may have been a jerk to some degree himself. Uh, yeah, I find that very hard to believe based on everything <laughs> we've seen of him, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so I don't know. What, I guess what were your because these are really important characters. Guo Fu is a, is a central character to the book, and the Wu brothers are very important. 
Um, everybody we met here is pretty significant, but what, what did you think of of uh, of the Wu brothers and Guafu? Guafu, I so far I buy her as Huang Rong's daughter. I don't know, we don't have much of her, but I, I I'm like okay, I, yeah, I, I mean, I mean that, that's what helps. These are new characters, but we they have a very you know, yeah, that a daughter of two characters I know very well from other things, and and the other two are the disciples. So it's, it you know, that it it doesn't feel like overload to me just because these characters have context. They they're they're attached to characters I know, so I, I'm I'm immediately interested in them, and I I want to I want to know more about them. So I felt like they were introduced in a good way. And uh, yeah, and she she definitely becomes very important as the story goes on. Uh, what did you think of Lu Shuang? Because that's another character they introduced. And I feel like she was somebody who really is is memorable in in the course. She doesn't she doesn't get lost in the mix of characters like some of the other people might. Um, uh-huh. But I, no, I, I I'm enjoying her on the whole. It's like she's you know there's a little over the top in the uh, rib setting scene, but you know that scene is kind of going for a little bit of comedy. But on the whole, I'm really enjoying her character. Yeah, and that that's something in general to sort of in a lot of these shows. There's like a like in the moment where where Yango is setting the ribs and she starts freaking out. I think she even starts crying, but it's not like a real cry. It's like a yeah, I need it's very. Cry. It's you know what it is. It's like a Lucille Ball cry. Yeah, exactly. Kind of there's and there's a lot of that kind of acting in these shows. So just sort of that's that's that it's just a way of you know uh, of highlighting an emotion in the scene or you know getting a little bit of a laugh. Um, but uh, but but I would I would say file it under sort of Lucille Ball style style crying. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's. You know, it's basically kind of a case of, you know, her being set up in the earlier scenes as being kind of this badass. And now she's kind of being all, you know, a baby about the other rib setting. But uh, it's kind of a back and forth thing. But I I really enjoy the character. I mean, she's uh, she's got an interesting background. Uh, I I like I like her chemistry with Yang Gao, too. I think they they're really interesting pairing for uh traveling around having adventures together too well they're both very willful characters uh uh-huh. i think she's she's what we would call her in here a tough cookie like she just has that sort of that yeah that i don't know that you you sort of immediately respect her character and uh and she's also crippled which you can barely notice in the show but like one of her her i think her right leg is was 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 uh permanently crippled by um by limochu when she was first abducted um, yeah, I guess when your lightness kung fu is good enough, it's a it's a minor obstacle. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then and then somebody even points out they're like, oh, she's got a crippled leg, and she gets really mad and uh, and takes it out on them. But yeah, uh, but she calls Yangua Shadan, which I guess means stupid egg. So that's why <laughs> you know. So that's that's why she's saying it the way she's saying it in those episodes. In those... I, I like I like his name. Is his response to how did you know my name? Yeah. Uh, that was good. That just becomes his name from that point on. Well, I think there's more backstory to that, but I'd have to re- review the chapters in the book to sort of accurately explain yeah. it. But there's like there's a there's a deep backstory to the Shadan nickname. Uh, <laughs> oh, so you've been called that previously I, in the I, book. I don't I don't want to I don't want to say anything that I don't know 100 percent to be sure. accurate. But I've I, I remember there being more to it than just that. Um, so. So yeah, so we also get uh, the Wu brothers, who we don't really know much about, but they sort of, uh, an important part of the backstory here that they really gloss over, like you don't even know that this happened, 
in uh, the way that they shot the scene in, in this one. But when Lee Mocho went to Lou Manor and, and killed the Lou family, uh, the Wu brothers and their parents were caught up in the mix of that. And their father, uh, I think his name is Wu Santong, he, uh, number one, he's one of, um, uh, uh, do you remember, um, do you remember the fisherman from um, uh, Legend of Condor Heroes from the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Brave Archer movie? Uh, the fisherman, what did he do? I, I can't recall a fisherman. Um, so the, um, the, uh, oh, wait, no, it wasn't the fisherman. I'm sorry. It was the, uh, he had another nickname, but he was, he was one of the disciples of Reverend Yideng. Um, and oh, he wasn't okay. the fisherman. He was one of the other guys. Um, but Wu Santong is a disciple of, of Reverend Yideng. And so that's why he's, you know, he's, he's a recognizable character when all this happens. But, but anyways, okay. he gets poisoned in that scene by Lee Mocho. And, and his wife sucks the poison out and dies as a result. And oh, that's okay. why the Wu brothers want revenge there. And I feel like this scene, you don't really like, I, I like, did you even yeah. notice that, that was the thing? So I, I was oblivious to all, yeah. if they mentioned it at all, I, I did not pick up on it. So I think one of the shortcomings of this version of the story is they do not give you enough of the peach blossom Island material. And they do not, they're not, I don't really care if these shows are accurate to the books that much, but I think that yeah. this is something where if you're going to be accurate about something, having the stuff that happens with the Wu brothers and their parents is really important in that scene for this scene to have the weight that it really ought to have. Cause it doesn't, you don't understand why they're so set on getting revenge against Lee Mocha. There's like a line of dialogue that explains it, but you can, you can miss it if you're just looking away briefly. So, um, yeah, that's uh now, I, one thing, too, you know, I was looking away briefly for a second is the subtitles in the, these episodes fit very fast in yeah. places. There have been a lot of times I had to had to pause, you know, the uh, one of the one of the scenes in the inn, for example, the scene where they, they go to meet Lee Mochu in the inn. When they first show up there, he's like, boom, 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 boom. I was, I was continually, you know, rewinding a second and. Uh, and pausing to check the subtitles. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, I think that the subs are a little fast. I would agree with you on that. And um, and also, uh, yeah, and, and so, uh, you know, it, it, you know, that, just remember that that the way that the mother died because that becomes important later on. That's sort of a. Um, oh, okay, you know, the way the the Wu brothers' mother yeah. died. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then uh, you know, you know. It's, the the other the other scene that I thought was very sort of striking that we, we briefly touched on but we didn't really get into is that umbrella duel that I thought yeah. was, that to me is like the highlight of these three episodes in terms of the kung fu because you have all these umbrellas suspended in the air and Lee Mochu and Zhao Long Nu are balancing on the umbrellas and fighting each other and it's just this marvelous display of lightness kung fu and also their 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 two personalities like Lee Mochu mm-hmm. wants the uh the jade maiden manual and Zhao long was like nope i'm not going to give it to you and and it, it just just watching them clash and uh and watching the way that Zhao long never really like she knows that she can't beat lee mocho but she's not ever like terrified she's like nope i'm not going to give it to you and yeah 
Although she, she says at the end of the fight, you know, basically it's like, yeah, I'm not your equal, but you can't catch me either. So you know, there we go. <laughs> That's, uh, it's, it, it, I mean, it would have been reflected in that fight very well. So it's just sort of kind of summing things up. But the, uh, the fight scene did a good job of showing that all by itself. And I think, I, I mean, the, the, I think the fights overall are really impressive in the series. Like, I, I again, mm-hmm. it's a television show. It's not a movie, but they, they get a lot of impressive wire work in it, which I, I really like. I love, I love flying swordsmen. And I think, I think uh, it's, it's poetic to sort of see that kind of movement. And, and, and the, I don't know, the, 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 the scenes, even like, I, one, with this kind of choreography, I feel like, they seem to be making a good call. If the actor can't do the fighting, they, 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 they shoot it in a way so that all that matters is like the final stance of what the actor is doing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, yes. And, and if the fighter, if the actor can do the fighting, they have the, act. and so it, it's, it's, uh, you know, or maybe they bring stunt people and I've been paying too much close attention to it, but, but I think, I think it all looks really visually pleasing. And, uh, and, and so, you know, and there's a lot of it. There's a, there's an awful, there was, there, there, uh, I've like, I don't, I didn't count, but it felt like we got like two or three fights at least every episode. Um, which to me is about the right level of fighting. I want, <laughs> I want a lot of fighting in these shows. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, if, if, if I, like, I remember one time I saw a series and it was a perfectly fine series. It was great. I actually enjoyed it. I think it was called Sounds of the Desert, but like there was almost no fighting in it. And, uh-huh. and I remember being, especially early on, I just remember being like, you know, it's like no fighting in the show. And it, it occurred to me I wasn't watching a Wuxia series. And so that's why there wasn't fighting. Oh, well, there um, you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it was it was sort of more of like a historical romance, I guess. But yeah, but, well, I think what's good is, like I said, there is a lot of fighting in this, but it, it's it's very well integrated into the plot, too. It never feels like they feel like, oh, we got to throw a fight scene in here. Everything everything happens very organically. Um, I've been emotionally invested in every fight that's happened. They've, you know, there's, you know, as we talk about with the umbrella fight, you're, you're kind of getting character development within the fights. It's just, it's just very well done in that regard. Yeah. Cause the, the dialogue and the fighting is woven together so well. Like there's the scene where Lee Mochu is attacking Yangua and, and tells him, uh, you know, and is accusing him of doing, uh, of, 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 of having an incestuous relationship with Xiao Longnu, and and so yeah. you know the, that that whole exchange there again, it's one of these things where I think it's it's good because it highlights a really important feature of Li Mocho's character, but also it it's one of the things that drives Yang crazy by the end of the episode, <laughs> where he's just so you know you see him walking through the woods and he's sort of playing the insults from Li Mocho in his head, and it's it's he, he's he's not handling the emotions very well of 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 feeling alone in the world and also feeling like he has to defend Zhao Longnu's name. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause uh, it, it says something too, like you say, the dialogue being interwoven. When you ask me like, you know, how many fight scenes there are in episode, I'm not, I, it's, it, it's not easy for me to say from the standpoint that it doesn't feel, you know, a lot of times in, in movies or something, you kind of feel that, gear kind of shift when it goes into a fight scene it's like now i've got a fight scene for five minutes then boom we're back to people talking and boom it's like there there isn't that break everything kind of kind of flows very well in this it's 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 part of the same 
same texture basically well yeah because in this one what they'll do is they'll have people like they'll they'll exchange two or three blows and then sit down and talk and then they'll exchange <laughs> a couple more blows and then stand up and then you know there's it's 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 more integrated into the overall flow of the discussion at times yeah. um yeah. and people are perfectly willing to pause and not do anything and then resume uh, oh i'm sorry are you about to say something yeah, yeah, yeah. let me <laughs> so, hold my punch a second <laughs> so, oh and there's also this really weird sequence in the in the episode where we sort of like i i hinted at this before where we where we sort of learn more about Long news uh naive character when it comes to the world and so she goes and she try she she's hungry and she sees somebody has buns on a uh on mm. a uh in the marketplace and she grabs one of them and starts eating it and he's and he's like uh you know hey well, everybody knows you have to pay for food he's like who i i i don't know what you're talking about and she tries to give it back and he's like no and so then a bunch of people try to grab her and she knocks them down and so people start you know look at this little woman uh you know eating other people's buns and beating people up and she, she's she's just not even she's not trying to cause problems she just doesn't know yeah. how the world works it was it was a good scene because I mean it, you could generally kind of feel a bit distressed about her having to like knock the people down the people giving her a hard time I mean it was you know I mean it, it's 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 a little comedic at the beginning where hey she doesn't get money but it's not it's not just done as a straight kind of goofy fish out of water scene there is kind of an air of <laughs> you you get the feeling of her misunderstanding and unhappiness about the whole thing and uh, and of course it gets revisited later when that guy tricks her into you know trying to go to the go to his master and i guess he wants to marry her or something but uh yeah uh, she, and then and then her not, her not accepting the refreshments because she doesn't have money because well, she well i think there was something in the refreshments and i think that uh what was well, that wouldn't surprise yeah. me either but uh because because what happens is she she's wandering around town asking everybody if they've seen yangoa like you know like 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 he's somebody that everybody would know yeah um, and yeah. and and they're like no I, I haven't seen yango and so this guy sort of sees her overhears her saying that and and, and to one of the people she says have you seen yango he calls me gugu and so the guy walks up and he says hey you looking for yango and he's like i know where he is and and she's like who are you he's like he's like you're gugu right and so like he's he's you know it's like anybody who's spent 10 minutes in a city knows knows this kind you know like this kind of trickery but she's just so innocent to the world that she does she just believes the guy and she go she goes and follows him and there's this guy named mr Zhang who looks really creepy his hair is kind of all disheveled he just doesn't look you know you can tell he's up to no good and they try to get her to eat some food and take refreshments and she won't and i'm i'm pretty convinced there's something in the refreshments because i would they, not be surprised yeah. and yeah. then and then they try to convince her to to stay and marry him and and she beats him up and then he calls his guards and she beats them up and they're, they're no match for her um and she ends up leaving and uh but then on her way out I think I think she's like you don't know Yangoa, do you? Like like she's still, yeah. you know, it's it's sort of just dawning on her. So, uh, so she's she's just very, uh, and and this is something that I think she. This is why I think it's interesting when Zhu Batong comes back into the story because they're a very interesting pair when they're together because they both just don't really know how the world works. And for very different reasons, Zhu Batong huh. is just obsessed with the martial arts and there's something kind of going on with him. And she's lived in the ancient tomb her whole life. And so she just has never dealt with people and she doesn't really want to deal with people. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that 
That is a pairing to look forward to, definitely. Um, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, and you can sort yeah. of see why she doesn't want to leave the mountain. Like, this is all probably very... You know what it's like? It's like yeah. if, you, if you're if you not accustomed to life... And, like, I don't really like going into Boston because it's, I find it confusing because I'm not... I don't live in the city. I live outside the city. And so uh -huh. if you're... It's sort of that... I think she's experiencing that sort of shift of there's all this confusing stuff going on around me when I go... When, I go, when, she, when I'm off of this mountain. You know, she just the she just doesn't know how to process it all. I think. Um, yeah, well, the, that scene ending with her just kind of flying away too is very very poetic too. It's like you know they're all call, calling for more guards or something, and she just she just drifts floats off. It's like <laughs> I have nothing to do with this. I'm just above this whole thing. Bye. You know, it was a. Uh, you know, and her her beating up all the guys showed her superiority, but her just kind of like floating away like a cloud. Just was kind of the final cap on that. And then, uh, and then the, the the episode ends, of course, with uh, him uh, meeting Master uh, Hong Chi Gong, who we know yeah. from the previous story. And then U Young Fung shows up, and they now here the show is very different from the book. There's a lot more stuff that happens in the book, so this doesn't feel like everything's all kind of happening at once. And in this show, I feel like it does kind of feel like it's happening all at once. So it's a little bit confusing, I think, uh, the way that it's done. But it gets to the same spot, which is U Young Fung and Hong Chi Gong have a duel that lasts three days and nights. And at the end of the episode, they're waist deep in snow, sort of staring each other down. And it's clear that Hong Chi Gong knows who U Young Fung is, and U Young Fung still has no idea who he himself is. So, in fact, Hong Chi Gong sort of playfully attempts to, to claim that he's U Young Fung. Um, and, yeah. you know, so. And, and we'll get more into that next episode because this is sort of like the last five minutes of the episode when this all happens. Um, yeah, uh, we'll to call back to our last movie review where we had a sandstorm sweep in and bury everyone, you know, partway through yeah. the middle of it. This time we had, this time it was three days, so it was a little little less dramatic that they were up to their waist. But uh, well, uh, well, we don't know how long that, bat so the dragon in, battle we don't know how long that was supposed to take place it's possible they were trying to convey the passage of time with that. that's true because that's something that you see a lot of in these kind of shows and movies where you know like like especially if it's based on a um on a lewis cha story characters will fight for days at a time sometimes like it's uh yeah that's it that's an arthurian thing too in arthurian legends they like to do the thing of then the character guy two knights fought each other for three days thing but yeah, it's something that the role-playing games with their round-by-round uh, -round combat struggle with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little hard to pull off. Though um, I have to say, there's a game. I, 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 I don't really. I shouldn't say too much about it because I don't. Well, I don't. It's 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 in development. But I know of a game that has a very interesting way of handling that issue. Uh, and uh, and and I'll, I'll ask the writer and see if he wants to talk about it when he comes back on the show because. It's a um, it's 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 related to the genre. It's a wuxia game, and I was I was pretty. I, it would it would very perfectly match exactly the problem that you're talking about. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but I mean, obviously that snow piling up around their waists is conveying the passage of time here. So I think that's you know, uh, it, you know, it, it's a cool way to do it. It's just that I feel like they so much of the lead up to that scene doesn't happen in, the, in this show so it kind of you suddenly have this three-day long battle that happens in four minutes uh not yeah. even four minutes I guess we like only know it's three days just because we're told you know yeah. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you've, you've been fighting for three days. days. Like, oh, have they? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, did they, did they actually name Hong Chi Gong in this? Because I didn't pick up on who that I, was. So I don't know I just if they've named him yet. I think they have okay. said it's him. Um, but it's him. It's definitely him. Yeah. And also, uh, there was a. I don't want to. Sp- there is a, an important detail, speaking of sort of characters and names. There's a figure who appears um, in a in a mask to help Yango and Lu Wuxuan. Mm, of course. Yeah. We're completely and, gone past that. And, and we did not do, and they, they, they didn't, they didn't give her her name yet. Right. That was, no, I have, I, I can make guesses about who she is, but I do not know who she is. Okay. But we get one really important clue. She's got the Jade flute. Um, so, Jade flute. Where the Jade flute come from? It, during the end scene, when she's when during the fight, she pulls out the Jade flute and is fighting with the Jade. I'm pretty sure she's she she has the Jade flute on her during that end scene fight. But I mean, where where would I have previously? Oh seen oh, uh, Huang Yaoshi. Oh okay okay got it. So I won't give anything away. I'll just because I, I I I think this is a more interesting. Yeah, that, that actually Gong, goes with one of my guesses. To, yeah, because so, Hong uh, Chi Gong, you're supposed to kind of know who that is, but she's in a mask, so I feel like it would be inappropriate for me to tell you anything. Yeah. About. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No problem. I. Uh, yeah, like that. That that fits with what I'm guessing in any case. So yeah, yeah that's Huang Yaoshi's flute. Yeah, because if you remember too, Huang Yaoshi also wore the human mask like that uh, in the. Uh, uh, it, in Brave Archer, it was a little unclear because it just looked like a like a clear sheet of of something <laughs> over. It, it wasn't totally clear what was going on, but um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so have... so I don't know what, what how how are you feeling so far? We're on episode eight. Uh, you know, oh, I'm I'm into it. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to continuing on. I mean the you know the the cliffhanger kind of well not, I don't know it's quite a cliffhanger, but just the big final scene there with the uh, big fight with the two old masters. Um, I'm excited to have them show off knowing it's, I, you know, I know it was Hong Chi Gong uh, for sure, but I'm, I'm interested now he's back in the story. I, I kind of, I wasn't actually sure he was still alive, you know, as, as I've just watched the Brave Archer series as my previous introduction and not read the book. I wasn't entirely clear if he survived the, uh, second one or second of those movies or not but uh i guess he did and, and yeah because he, he was left in a very precarious situation at the uh when we last saw him uh, yeah, yeah did uh now and i don't want to put you on the spot so if you don't have an answer to this just say you don't have an answer and i'll i'll have sure. the answer my answer but in terms of gaming you know now that you've sort of you know been able to see like a longer form version of one of these wuxia stories uh you know any thoughts like on on how how this might be applied to gaming or what you know you know what you might do if you were trying to run like a wuxia scenario huh that's an excellent question um well i have some idea of your answer because i've played in your wuxia games <laughs> but uh that's, that's kind of the ultimate answer but uh uh but yeah it's it's i mean you need you need you need a big world with lots of characters. That's like a, an essential requirement. If you don't have these multiple sects and factions, I mean, you know, to go with a non wuxia game just to keep the variety going. So obviously, I could talk about your game, but that's that's it. But 
you know, RuneQuest is a game where everybody belong can belong to different cults, and you like by belonging to a cult, you learn things, you get a, you get training from your cult, and so on, and they all have different advantages they can give you. It's like something like that would work. Uh, so yeah, you need you need factions, you need you need these characters. I mean, a sandbox does seem the optimal way. You want characters to be able to wander around and make their own friends and enemies. It's like it shouldn't. It's not a game where you want everyone to be an instant bad guy or good guy that's canned where your enemy it's that set who your enemies are. You should you should be able to make your own enemies, you know, if you're playing in a Wuxia game, I think. Yeah, well, it's interesting because it is very episodic, and so you get this sort of sense of like it does feel. I mean, there's an ov- there is an overall story, and things do sort of you know, there are these dramatic moments that uh that happen that are important. But you do get the sense that Yango is just kind of wandering around. It's sort of how it feels. Yeah. It feels like he's just wandering around, and sometimes he sticks with people. Sometimes he goes and chases certain things that interest him. And then, you know, he ulti- he's always ultimately still sort of striving for Xiaolong Nu in the story. That's sort of the thing that he's always, you know, uh, aiming for here. But uh, but it does kind yeah. of feel like a sandbox. I, w- I would agree with that. Um, and, and I think that's something that sometimes surprises people when they when they... You know, you know, and and, and again, Wuxia is a very there's a there's a there are a lot of ways to talk about Wuxia, and there are a lot of ways to sort of uh, there are a lot of you you could you could read a bunch of different Wuxia stories, watch different Wuxia movies and shows, and and you could come away with different lessons. So I don't think that this is the I'm not saying that sandbox is the only way or the right way to do it. Um, no, but it's definitely no. a way that you, you could definitely build a sandbox campaign modeled after this show very easily. Well, the, thing, the thing is, when you've built a sandbox, you can run other kind of adventures in it. A lot of people act like linear adventures and sandbox adventures are the enemies of each other. And it's like, no, you can, you can build a sandbox setting and you can build a perfectly linear story that flows through that. It's yeah. just the characters. The characters have the option to jump off the railroad at any point, but the railroad is there. Well, so Yeah, and in here, I would say that the where the linear adventures exist is within each of the characters he meets. Because every character mm-hmm. kind of has a little goal. That they're, you know, you know, like Lu Shuang is trying to evade Li Mochu. So if, if the yeah. player characters were to encounter her, they might help her contend with Li Mochu. And that's, I mean, that's something, you know, once you, once you're sort of committed to that task, that's that's something that you you would probably have to deal with for a while. Um, so and I think, you know, and you see that with each character that he sort of bumps into. Uh, everybody's kind of pointed towards something, you know, you know, uh, that could be an adventure. In a in a sandbox setting, um, yeah. Another thing I'd say you need is you need a system where people can get out of fights because I it's like it's it's pretty typical in these kind of stories to encounter someone like Lee Mochu where you don't have a chance in beating her. Whereas in your typical traditional role playing game, when you when you have a fight, everyone lines up and they fight until the other side is dead. You generally weigh it so the players are going to be the ones that win. Yeah. And that's not going to work in Wuxia because there are going to be these big characters that are kind of scary and the players, the players are going to need to level up in a way to beat them, but they should encounter them before they've reached that point. So you want to have a system where, well, I mean, the players obviously have to buy into that. You, any, no system in the world is going to help you if the players are just like, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going yeah. to keep fighting. No, that can, that can uh, definitely happen. I've seen that happen. But, uh, um, yeah, well, a few things going for you uh, when it comes to overpowering NPCs in a Wuxia campaign like that. Like, if you do encounter a Limocho, even Limocho can be reasoned with. 
And, yeah, you know, that's you, true. You know, she wants she wants very concrete things. She does tend to fly off the handle, so there is that. You know, you, you know, you get to be really careful when you're negotiating with a character like Lee Mocho. But you know, if you can give her something she wants, you you could certainly survive an encounter with her. If you can run yeah. away, you could certainly survive an encounter with her. And all characters in this sort of setting at least try to adhere to some sense of 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 politeness and and, and mm-hmm. respectability so if you say yeah. this and, and this is actually clearly spelled out in the book if you say to somebody in this world uh i don't want to fight you today but i'll fight you in a month from now at this place in time they're kind of honor bound to do so and yeah. and that's the, the author like t- steps out of the narration to say that uh, mm-hmm. in a moment when it happens i think it's in this book it might have been one of the other ones but it was definitely a lewis cha book and uh, i'm pretty sure it was return of condor heroes and so that's a i mean that not every npc is going to adhere to that that code just like you know yango and Zhao long knew they fall in love even though most characters find what they're doing to sort of violate the confucian sort of principles of of, of master student relationship but but those characters will be exceptions. So as long as they're not contending with an exception, they should be able to negotiate their way out of a fatal flight and at least delay it so that they can come up with a yeah. plan. Um, well, yeah, I mean, your point about being able to negotiate with Lee Mochi, that goes back to what I'm saying is you don't you don't want to give characters preset enemies. Like, yeah. oh, it's this person is your enemy and it's your goal to wipe this person out in the campaign isn't as good a goal in that because you never know who you're going to work with or be able to kind of deal with. So it's like, yeah, she is a very villainous character in this campaign, but it's not, it's, it's in a, it's in a complicated way. So she, she, she has her very, her, her very specific goals. Her goal, her goal is not to wipe out the, you know, the main characters. That's just sometimes is something she has to do. Well, wants to do. <laughs> no, you, you definitely you have to always be open to that possibility because I mean, again, they're occasionally going to run into people who are crazed, obsessed characters that that want their one thing and are going to be harder to contend with than others. But I, I do think that you, it, it all it generally works better if it's if it's a sort of thing where the characters are uh, are making choices that result in who their main enemies become. Now, and and things might be tilted a certain way. If you run into a Limocho, chances are you're going to become enemies with her. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's Mm -hmm. a very strong likelihood, uh, you know, following an encounter with her, but it's not a certain. And so I think that's the key thing. Um, Yeah. On the, on the gaming angle, I'm reminded of uh, Shadow Fist, which was the card game that Feng Shui was based on, the collectible card game. And my, my, one of my favorite cards to play in that game was the, uh, we meet again, this time as friends, where you could bring in, you know, if you're playing a faction, you can bring in a character from another faction to your side to, like, work with you for one fight, you know? So it was yeah. the, the it was just the, the classic trope of, oh, you're going to be working with your enemy this time. <laughs> so, no, and that happens a lot. And you'll see that even with, like, because Yangoi has an odd relationship with Lee Mocha. Like, when he meets her in the end, he takes off the mask and, and kneels and greets her as, mm-hmm. as, as his senior uh uh, uh, Marshall Uncle, because she's, uh, you know, she's the senior member of their sex. So, you know, that occasionally, again, it never becomes the friendship that you, in the back of your mind, hope it could become. <laughs> but, but, but they, they have moments. They have moments of mutual respect, I think. Um, and, 
but one of the things I was thinking as I was watching this again is how so much of this is Yango having a series of random encounters. Um, and random encounters in general. Yango him, Yango himself is a random encounter. Like the scene in the wedding caravan. One way to look at it is <laughs> Yango was the character who had the random encounter with the wedding caravan. The other way to look at it is that unfortunate bridegroom had a random encounter random with encounter. Yango. So, yeah, um, yeah, no, I I could definitely see that going either way. I mean, you could you could have that scene and the uh, the, the PCs are kind of part of the wedding party, and Yang Girl just comes barging in. It's like, oh, this is this is my wedding now. Hang on, guys. <laughs> but what would make it such a good encounter is number one, I, I I I've been toying with this idea of wedding encounters and like any time, like because weddings happen in my campaigns, and so mm-hmm. sort of coming up with encounter tables for weddings. Uh, not every wedding should have an encounter, but some probably should. And so, you know, if, if a encounter happens, you roll on a table and you might get something like that. And I, what I love about this this scenario is first Yangor shows up and it's like, oh, Yangor is the threat. He's going to beat up the bridegroom. The bridegroom has to set him. <laughs> no, the real threat is Limocho. He's actually she's actually a threat to, to Yangor and to you. And so you now need yeah. to work with Yangor if you want to survive the encounter, the ensuing encounter with with Limocho. The, the idea that the person who sort of comes up to you and is aggressive is actually just trying to use you in order to fend off uh, an even a greater threat is, is, I think, something that would work well on a campaign. Um, and so and again, just and just all the, you know, all of the um, all of the little encounters that he has uh, are 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 ways that like small encounters could be turned into more. If uh, if you don't automatically inst- like if you're rolling on a random encounter table and say you get like, you know, a none of this sect or uh, whoever somebody, you know, if you have a lot of human type results on your table, uh, ass- not automatically assuming it's that the person is at odds with you, but maybe considering that they're at odds with somebody else and that that's the encounter, you know, that sort yeah. of thing, um, you know, so so some in- so treating some encounters as situations that you're stumbling into rather than oh there's just this person walking down the road and heading towards me and yeah oh i mean one thing i like about these you know this this genre as a whole is it 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 feels very much like you're always part of a bigger world i mean i said about the, the game of yours that i'm playing in i think it was already 15 sessions into the campaign when i joined it and it it made it feel more wusha like to me because I'm being thrown into this story that's already happening, which is such a a wusha feeling. And so, yeah, having your random encounters be boom, you fall into this other story that's already going on between these two other people is is perfect. It's a lot more true to the genre than just going, okay, here's this person and they want this thing from you. So yeah, so so yeah, so we, we we've been going on for an hour though, so I'm gonna. Yeah. End the episode there, and uh, but I think we got a lot of interesting gaming discussion at the end of that, and uh, we did, and uh, and yeah, so we'll be back on. I think what are we doing? Episodes nine through eleven, uh, presumably the next time if we if we can swing. Uh, that sounds episodes. like a good goal. Um, and yeah, so again, this is Return of Condor Heroes two thousand six. You can you, you know you can watch it and uh, and and listen along, or you know hopefully this is prompting some interest if you haven't seen it before. But uh, but we'll uh, we'll 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 uh, we'll be back on with with uh, with more episodes like this. And I think me and Adam were talking that we might watch that show, uh, The Flame's Daughter, which I did a recap of the first episode yesterday. Um, 
down the road when we're done with this is a uh, you know is the sort of second uh, uh, Chinese drama series that we do. Um, so there's that to look forward to as well. And on Friday we're going to be doing the tournament with Angelo Mao, which um, which should be interesting. And so until then, we will talk to you later.